Some things in life just don't make a lot of sense. And this is one of those cases. A successful chef that was a teacher. He was found dead in his kitchen classroom. And from there, the next couple of months unfolded like a John Grisham mystery novel. I'm your host, Coy, and this is the story of Dan Brophy. throw in the John Grisham reference for my mom who has been obsessed with reading his books lately and who I will say allegedly may or may not have acquired one of his books from her um, so mom if you're missing a book I may know where it is or it may be returned soon anyways Daniel Brophy was born on June 27 1954 in Valley City North Dakota one of his first jobs was as a dishwasher at a restaurant, and then he was a cook at a 24-7 diner working the night shift. He then went to culinary school where he became a chef. He moved out to Portland, Oregon, where he furthered his career as a chef. In the early 1990s, Dan met Nancy Crampton. She was from Texas, but had recently moved to Portland. She met Dan when she was attending the Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts, and I probably pronounced that wrong. But at the time, Dan was working as an instructor and going through a divorce with his wife at that time. After Nancy graduated culinary school, she opened up a catering company. Shortly after, she and Dan were dating, engaged, and then married. Dan's son ended up working for Nancy's catering company. Nancy eventually sold the catering company and began selling insurance. She also began writing mystery and romance books. As an instructor, Dan wasn't necessarily the Gordon Ramsay in your face type, but he could be a tough teacher, which he credited to his teachers. But he also went outside the box to teach students, including taking them on field trips to learn about food and nature and composting. The Oregon Culinary Institute opened in 2006, and Dan took a job with them where he worked as a chef and a teacher. The Organary Culinary Institute, or I'll refer to it throughout the remainder of this episode as OCI, was a training restaurant. You can go there and eat, and chefs who are in training to be professional chefs will prepare the meals. Dan also volunteered his time to cooking and giving food out at a church near OCI, where he would donate around 100 meals a week. On June 2nd, 2018, around 7.22 a.m., Dan arrived at OCI. He turned off the alarm. About 10 minutes later, a coworker arrived. The coworker found Dan lying on the floor in the kitchen, dead. Dan was 63 years old at the time of his death. A student then called 911. When investigators arrived and began examining the scene, they believed that Dan was scooping ice to put in a bucket that was in the sink. Dan was shot in the back, which they believed the shooter approached him from behind and shot him. 
Dan then fell to the ground and the shooter shot him in the middle of his chest where he died. The shooter left with the gun and left two 9mm shell casings behind. As the detectives began detecting, there were some things that immediately stood out. Dan's wallet was still in his back pocket, so it didn't seem like it was a robbery and nothing seemed to be missing from the school. There were no signs of forced entry, which led detectives to believe that the shooter came in right after Dan turned off the alarm. There was a roll-up storage door that was open that accessed the kitchen, and it was Dan's daily routine to open this door in the mornings and bring supplies in. Now, one of the biggest setbacks was OCI did not have any security cameras inside or outside the building, which the killer may have known that, or they may have just got lucky. Meanwhile, just a few weeks after Dan's death, Nancy began packing up their home. She told friends and family that she just couldn't bear to live there any longer because everything just reminded her of Dan. This also wasn't much of a shock to their family. She and Dan already talked about selling the house as they prepared for retirement. Then, detectives received a strange call from Nancy. She asked the detectives if they would write a letter for her saying that she was not a suspect in Dan's murder in order for her to get the insurance money. The detectives then learned that just a few years prior in 2011, Nancy wrote a blog post, and the title of the blog post was How to Murder Your Husband. Back in 2011, Nancy wrote a blog post that listed out motives for why one may commit murder to include financial reasons, falling in love with someone else. She wrote that if murder was committed to be set free, she didn't want to go to jail. There was also another list which showed that guns could be used to commit murder and other possible weapons. Now, this was supposed to be a fictional piece of writing to go along with her books. As shocking as the blog post was, there's a little bit more that detectives were going off of. Detectives did search warrants and a lot of other stuff behind the scenes. They found that on Nancy's computer, just six months before Dan's murder, she searched for a website that sold ghost guns, which were guns without serial numbers or not registered anywhere, or guns that you have to put together piece by piece. She also searched Glock revolvers, which isn't a thing. She searched for if Glock guns have a kick and also gun shops in Portland. Four months before Dan's murder, so just a couple months after these searches, she went to a gun show where she bought a 9mm gun. She then went on eBay and she bought a new slide and barrel for it. It was believed that the purpose of this new barrel and slide was so that she could switch them out if the gun was analyzed. It would show that it wasn't the same gun that fired the bullets that killed Dan. While investigators searched Nancy's house, they couldn't find that extra barrel or slide anywhere. And they believed that it was tossed in the water somewhere. Now even though OCI didn't have video, this is Portland, a lot of businesses did have video. 
After the murder, detectives begin going to each business to collect video footage. A pizza place directly across the street from OCI had a video camera inside that pointed towards the front door and it showed the roadway. Ten minutes before Dan arrived at OCI, a silver van drove by. A silver van, just like the one Nancy had. While you couldn't make out a tag because of the angle of the video, there was one thing that was noticeable. A very distinguished scratch on the side, which was also on the van and the video. As detectives made their way from business to business collecting videos, they were able to put together a better timeline of events. Around 6.40 that morning was the first time that the van was seen on video entering the area, which led detectives to believe that she left her house around 6.30. The van then circles a couple of areas. At 7.20, Dan arrived. At 7.22, Dan opened the bay door and turned the alarm off. At 7.29, Nancy's van is leaving the area and heading back home. Just a few minutes later is when the coworker found Dan. Here is the biggest problem with all of this. Well, maybe not a problem, but what really threw Nancy off. When investigators talked to her the morning of the murder, she told them that she was home all morning. Now her car is literally right outside of Dan's job just a few minutes before his murder and leaves just a few minutes later. Nancy was arrested in September of 2018 for the murder of her husband, Dan. The trial began in early 2022. During the trial, prosecutors said that Nancy's motive for murder was money problems. As it turned out, Nancy had multiple life insurance policies against Dan, and the total payout would have been around $800,000. When Nancy's defense attorneys began defending her to the jury, they had a different approach. Nancy and Dan, they were married for over 20 years. They were getting ready for retirement. She loved him. They claimed that she didn't do it, but they had an idea of who did. A homeless man that was picking up cans around OCI that morning. So let's break this down a little bit. Nancy lied about where she was that morning. Her car is in the area before the murder and leaving after the murder. She had life insurance policies that she tried to cash out. She tried to buy a gun without a serial number. She then did buy a gun and bought a new barrel for it. And their alternative is a homeless man with no means or motive, especially when it wasn't even a robbery. So. He wasn't trying to get money. I would have mentioned the blog post in the trial, but with everything going on, the judge ruled that the blog post couldn't be used as evidence because it was written so long before the murder. Now, 20 days into the trial, and Nancy took the stand. Nancy's defense attorneys, they came out asking me hard questions. They asked if she killed Dan, and of course she said she didn't. And, you know, I'm, 
I'm sure there's some legal stuff there that I don't understand, and they're like, you know what, we have to ask that question. And everyone is always going to say no, but just one time. I wish there would be some Freudian slip and the person says, yeah, I, I mean, no. As a matter of fact, if you know of any case where that happens, send me a message about it on Instagram or Facebook at Crime Nerds Podcast. I'll post photos of Nancy on the stand, and I will say this much. Seeing her, she's not the person you would expect to see being charged with murder. She looks like she's just a little grandma Nancy, someone that you would see at the grocery store buying newspapers. Of course, Nancy had a good reason why she tried to buy a kit to build an untraceable gun. She read an article where someone did that and they killed their family. She decided to do research and write a novel around that idea. She claimed that when she actually bought a gun, it was for personal protection. She did admit to buying the extra slide and barrel, but she didn't know where it currently was. Now Nancy has to explain the events of that morning, or try to explain them. She said that she remembered waking up, talking to Dan briefly, and then she didn't remember anything at all until she was notified of Dan's death around 10 a.m. She ended up changing her story again. This time she drove to get some coffee. Then she began doing what she normally did as a writer. She began daydreaming, creating the story, just driving around, not even realizing where she was. And she just happened to drive by Dan's school at the time that he was killed. I guess that's a pretty solid story. Now the prosecutors couldn't use the blog post completely, but they could use certain information from it. One sentence in the blog says that anyone is capable of murder. The prosecutor asked her if she believed that anyone was capable of murder, and she responded saying that people get pushed into a corner where there is no other option and that anyone is capable of murder. But she still claimed that she did not have any reason to kill Dan. The jury deliberated for eight hours, and they found Nancy guilty of Dan's murder. Two days before her 72nd birthday, on June 14th of 2022, Nancy was sentenced to life in prison. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode. Thank you for listening, and be sure to stay tuned after the outro music for The Debrief. Just to give you all a heads up and to keep you in the loop, I'm going to be doing things a little bit different in September. Generally, the cases I cover, they are condensed into shorter episodes, but for the next few weeks, they will be even shorter. I'm going to cover just a few cases that are currently in the news, then the debrief. I'm still going to post two normal episodes on Patreon, 
And the reason behind that is that I just have a lot going on in September and a lot of time goes into researching multiple cases before I finally start writing on one and diving into further research. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to continue putting out just a few things and then return with regular episodes after just a few weeks. And a complete side note with how many cases I research, I have a note in my phone with just names and my biggest fear is that one day someone's going to go through my phone and just see a list of names and everyone on that list is either missing or an unsolved murder case and that probably wouldn't look too good for me. So here's to hoping that that never happens. And speaking of not looking too good, today's debrief is going to bring us back to Alabama. I just want to say sorry to people in Alabama. I'm not trying to pick on you with two weeks in a row. I promise next week will be somewhere different, but this was too good of a story to pass up. Now, if you're going to steal something, I would suggest not stealing something from the sheriff's office. In April 2022, two guys, Gabriel and Steve, they decided that they wanted to steal something, allegedly. They were going to sell batteries, allegedly. And I'm using allegedly because they are innocent until proven guilty, allegedly. While Gabriel and Steve were scouting out an area, they found the perfect thing to steal. A speed warning trailer that belonged to the sheriff's office. Not only did the trailer have a GPS which led police to its exact location, but it also had cameras on it which captured the entire theft. Now, needless to say, they were arrested. And thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day. If you like the show or just tolerate it, please share it with a friend that can tolerate it with you. Thank you all.